When we think about the book of Ezekiel, we can uh, think about it in a few different sections. In chapter 1, I'm going to talk about what Ezekiel saw, and it's probably going to blow your mind, because I've seen it, and you'll think it's funny as fuck. <laughs> and then, um, there's some prophecy stuff, the dead raised, things like that. And I'm going to talk about uh, what people might see at the temple again in the future. So here we go. In the book of Ezekiel, there's angels. Now, I don't know if even one is mentioned in the whole book of Ezekiel. But what I do know is that um, God comes with some of the hosts of heaven. So God did some stuff that's a little bit different than we expect so for instance um, we know that ducks are living creatures you know but they're not men and they're not women they're not they can't speak like us and they can't like do stuff like an angel okay so what god did is he made um us in the earth men and women that live in the earth were, were born and then he made the angels and they were made fully formed and so angels are um interesting because they were made fully formed they they immediately had clothes on as soon as they lived and they've never had to change their clothes ever as far as i know no angels ever done this they just have like one pants and one shirt and that's it they have uh, angel sandals they have a belt and they have angel armor on under their shirt some angels might go shirtless um but i don't think it happens that often So, and they have a sword, and a, um, that's for, like, like, if they need to fulfill the law, like, if there's an evil angel that came to kill someone or something like that. So that's angels. They look exactly like a man. They're, they're maybe slightly av- uh, higher, uh, taller than average height when we talk about angels. What we're really talking about here with angels is um, we're talking about uh, men and women that are um, slightly taller than average height. So maybe the average height is, like, 5'10 or something, or 5'11". But uh, a lot of angels are about my height or taller, and I'm five. Uh, I'm almost five eleven. I'm a little taller than five ten. I'm being specific just because uh, um, you probably want to know what angel height is. Now, when you get to Ezekiel one, he sees others that are what we call men, but they look different. So before the throne of God, there's eight men typically um, that are. They look different. They're. Um, one has a face like a calf. One has a face like uh, an eagle. One has a face like an ox. And one has a face um, that's different, you know. And so, when we think about these four men, um, they're men, and they can actually talk like a man. They're male, not female. And they can sing perfectly. All angels can sing perfectly, and so can these men. They're called Rathalophim. That's the heavenly language word. So, um, they say here that one of the men, one, one of those four men, um, has a face like a man. It's like a man, but it's not exactly like uh, my face or your face, as far as I know. It's slightly different. So, um, so God made men that have faces that look different than ours, and their bodies look very different than ours, actually extremely different than ours uh, their skin does not even resemble our skin it's t- it looks like a tougher than dragon skin it looks tough as fuck 
And so when they stand before the throne of God, they do something unique. They, um, they all stand together facing four directions. So when we go into the Ezekiel 1, what we find out is that when God rolls up in the temple or someplace else with like his um, angel squad, like his homie crew, like the um, like his children, they're called sons of God. All of them are. Uh, angels are sons of God. So with us in the earth, we're called son of man. And the angels and all these others are called uh, son of God, sons of God. Nobody will have any fucking clue what they're looking at unless they get a clear, detailed exposition on what we're looking at. So in Ezekiel 1, God gives us an example of what a man might see in Israel if he sees God roll up with his, like, uh, with his his traveling crew. There's um, beings that are called thrones, but they're actually shaped like a five-foot-tall golden tire with eyes. (laughs) Okay, they're men. They can speak. Um, There's beings called cephalim, and they look like shields, but we're supposed to call them wheels. And they fit inside of the thrones, and they can travel together like homies because they're they're also men. They can speak. Okay? And uh, I'll tell you about this. There's a lot of reasons this is cool. Now, not included were some others, but I want to keep going. Um, there are cherubim here, okay? So now, here's what Ezekiel sees in the... Um, we're just going to go starting at Ezekiel uh, twenty, uh, chapter 1, verse 22. Okay? And the likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creature. And he goes on about this. So let's go to the previous verse. When those went, these went. Like, it's... When, when this happens, it's nearly impossible to describe what you're seeing if you have never seen this in your life. So there's um, these beings, they're called Ophanim, and they have, there's other ones that are really similar, they're called Orphanim, and they look like five foot tall golden tires, okay, and they're a man and they're alive. Now these, these other beings, they look like shields, and they they fit inside of the, um, the golden tires, <laughs> okay, and the, the shields are alive, and so they're called Cephalim. You got Ophanim traveling with Cephalim, and so it looks like a wheel within a wheel. It's wheels within wheels. So what Ezekiel's describing is it looks like nonsense. Now this is going to get even weirder. So they're just rolling out together. Like imagine you and your homies. They're just it's just the, them and their homies. Okay. Now the cherubim start fucking with Ezekiel. I think and here's what they do. They go up behind the wheels. I think the cherubim see that like Ezekiel cannot figure out what the fuck he's looking at. And so they go up behind these, the Ophanim and the Cephalim, and then they just stick their heads up. So Ezekiel describes this. Now it gets even weirder. Above their head was a, a big object. And I, I'm going to be honest. I have no fucking clue what was over their heads. I think God actually made a firmament for them to take with them. It's like a big golden floor. <laughs> and this is important for later. I'll tell you what a firmament is later. It's a... There's a firmament under heaven, and it's used like a rudder. <laughs> so God can sail the seven seas in heaven. <laughs> this God this is so fucking weird. Um, if you look at all the galaxies in the universe, which I have often, uh, they're all on a flat plane. So imagine somebody stretch out a piece of paper across the universe, and then you just threw galaxies, and they'd land like pretty close approximately to that location. That's kind of how the galaxies are right now. There's a lot of room for more galaxies. So if you go up above them, you can look down and see them. Uh, I'm the only one who's done this extensively. So angels don't even do this. They think it's weird that I did this. And so there's no paper, but they're on like a flat plane. So when you you look down, uh, you can see um, 
the galaxies. And when you and when I look behind me, I can see heaven. So like I'm looking at I'm looking at the universe from uh, one side of the universe. It's called the north. I'm looking towards the south. And I'm up. Now God made the universe so that it's supposed to be filled with water, and He's supposed to be able to travel the heavens, travel above the the galaxies in heaven, and there's be like a big rudder-looking thing called the firmament underneath. So it's a big rectangle turned at 90 degrees perpendicular to um, to heaven, and then when He goes, just imagine water that's like imagine you're in a boat and the water's only four inches deep. And from, a, and from underneath, you're looking up and the boat's dividing the water above you. It's kind of like that. But it also resembles if somebody took their finger, if there was like smoke overhead and it, or their hand and they waved it through and now there's a divide. It's more, it's more like that. So that's a firmament. It divides the waters. Okay, so this stuff is so foreign, no one's ever seen it, that it's difficult to describe. Now above them is uh, what Ezekiel describes as the terrible crystal. Okay, this is probably a sapphire. And sapphire crystals, um, that's important later because it's a prophecy of the men who laid the council, uh, the foundations of the council. So the, the firmament is like a big golden floor thing that is a symbolic representation of um, the, um, the foundation of the council of the community, which is a prophecy of the future of heaven and stuff. Sapphires are the, um, the symbolic representation of men that are um, like sapphires like rare and um, highly valued men or something like that. Okay, so the cherubim, all of a sudden, they're holding up this fucking firmament over their heads. And then there's another man on the throne. I'll get to who he is in a minute. His name's John Huxton, and he's pretending to be God. The cherubim are pretending that they're upholding the throne of God, but it's not God, it's John Huxton. They have a, this sapphire throne thing going on over their head on top of a firmament thing that God made for them to pack around. That's what I assume with the firmament. I'm not sure. I've never seen this cherubim firmament thing. And then you can't see their bodies because there's Ophanim and Cephalim like in front of them. So all he sees is this brown looking shield creatures that are like are fiery and stuff. Golden looking, um, like a five foot golden tire turned sideways with eyes all through it. <laughs> this uh, black head above it of a short man, which because um, cherubim are short. <laughs> And their wings upholding this the throne of God and sitting on the throne is someone who isn't God. And God's showing him a prophecy of this man named John Huxton who wants to claim to be God. John Huxton's the one that always goes on field trips with God. He's the one that Daniel talk about, talked about in the Daniel um, chapter 7 thing. And there's like this sapphire stuff going on. And so Ezekiel's looking at it and he cannot make sense of this fucking nonsense whatsoever. So for me, it makes clear sense when I look at this. There's Rathalophim, Cephalim, um, Ophanim, Cherubim, John Huxton pretending to be God, some sort of weird firmament thing that God did that day, and some sort of fat sapphire thing. For me, this makes clear sense. <laughs> for Ezekiel, this is one of the most strange and astonishing things he's ever seen. And this is what it will be like for men and women who come to the temple in Israel in the future. They will have no fucking clue what the fuck they're looking at if God rolls up with his um, Rathalophim squad. So I'll have to explain, like, oh, these are Rathalo, uh, no, Rathalophim, actually, not Rathalophim. Those are different. Those, they look like angels, but a little bit more like uh, smaller frames, like a slightly smaller bone structure. They're men. They're very masculine men. A slightly smaller bone structure, and they're highly skilled at throwing javelins. Um, the angels are highly skilled at fighting with swords. And both are, you know, highly skilled with this stuff. So, 
Now, I'm going to go through this. He, he talked about wheels and rings. Okay, so as for their rings, they were so high that they were dreadful. So they're up in the air, and there's probably a bunch of them at this time, maybe like 10. And their rings were full of eyes round about them four. So, and the, when the living creatures went, let's just talk about these Ophanim, the wheels went by them. Now, Ezekiel's calling them wheels. He's calling all of them wheels, and none of them are called wheels. Except for the Cephalim, which look like shields, and God wants us to call them wheels. <laughs> now, a wheel rolls, <laughs> and the Cephalim, they're warriors, okay? So, all of the sons of God are warriors, like even female angels, which God finally made some this year. There weren't any until this year. They're warriors. They're strong as fuck. And they're fast as fuck. Um, a female angel recently killed Lucifer. And for some dumb fucking reason, God brought Lucifer back. So when we go into Ezekiel 1, what we see here is makes clear sense. It, but it, just imagine a bunch of people fucking around like on TikTok. Like some teenage boys that have nothing else to do. And like their heads are like floating above like broomsticks or something. And you're like, what in the fuck am I looking at? It's kind of like that. The cherubim were just trolling Ezekiel. <laughs> so it looks like they don't have bodies. So they have their little cherubim heads behind the ophanim, which are just hanging out with the cephalim. And so that's a cherubim head over a five foot tall golden tire with eyes. And inside of the tall golden tire with eyes is a uh, wooden shield looking thing that's all fiery that's called a cephalim and we're supposed to call it wheels and is above that is a throne with a man pretending to be god and also there kind of mentioned is actually god on the throne and then we see the glory of god and but god also shows the rainbow and ezekiel's like what the fuck am i even looking at because the glory of god looks like yellow light i guess and so but it's not like a fucking light bulb. It's fucking incredible. That's difficult to explain. Maybe later I'll do that. And so then there's the rainbow. And he's like, I guess it's the glory of God. And maybe it is. Also, they're fast as fuck. An angel can cross the um, universe in uh, six seconds, approximately, from one side to the other. The whole universe, not the galaxy, not the solar system, not from the side of you know, town to the other side of town. They can cross the universe in six seconds. They're fast as fuck. So what he's talking about. So here's the thing. They go extremely fucking fast. God might roll up with the whirlwind coming down in it. Probably not. Disguising himself in it. Taking a man up into heaven in a whirlwind. Bringing him back in a whirlwind. Uh, there's men that look like a five foot tall golden tire with eyes. I mean, this is some weird shit. And so um, this is what it'll look like when God rolls up with his squad. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about these men before we go through the book. There's going to be a temple later uh, in Israel soon. And God's going to roll up with his, like, angel squad, his, like, sons of God squad, like, his homie squad. All right? And um, when this happens... Um, <laughs> he might occasionally make it so you can see them. Because normally they're in a, what's called a translucent state. So you're just getting, like, a quick uh, rundown of what it's like to like kick it with God and his um, angel squad and his other squads okay so Ophanim are some of the most badass in all of heaven they're, made, they're like a giant metal spinning thing and they will tear a, tear someone the fuck up and they're really fast so like so imagine attacking a man who's made of a five like a five foot tall man made of a metal significantly harder than um, gold like, where do you even attack? And he can just chew you up and he's faster and stronger than you. They're basically unbeatable. 
okay? And then the cherubim, they can go into a translucent state so nobody can see them. You can think of it like being invisible or something. And they're faster than angels. And angels are fucking incredibly fast. An angel strong, he can pick up a Ford truck and throw it over his head if he wants. Like he could throw a truck easily. I think easily, but he could, I mean, they're strong, okay? And uh, they're incredibly fucking strong. And so um, cherubim are stronger. They're stronger and faster. So there's cherubim here. Okay, so these are warriors. And then these things called cephalim, they're called wheels. So they look like a shield and they do defend, but they're fast as fuck. And so they're faster than angels. So they could dart out in front of an angel and block a sword attack if they needed to, because the front is, of them is really tough. They can actually block a sword. Like imagine being so strong that you can stop a sword with your body. I mean, that's fucking legendary strong. And then they can do some other like spinning things that they do, like a wheel. They can turn like a wheel, you might say, or whatever. And so they can fight too, right? So, I mean, they're, they're a difficult opponent to fight. So they're cool. So these are men, and they can speak, and they roll with God, in addition to angels. Typically, there's a lot more angels, and there's uh, less cherubim, less seraphim, less rathalophim. And this is just some of the men that might be at the temple. As I said, there's also um, others. Now, there's seraphim. They're like angels, but taller, burlier, like a more muscular-looking build, and they have six wings like a cherubim. Cherubim are shorter than angels, and they're, um, they look significantly different in some ways, and very similar. I mean, they look like men, and they do things that are different. So that's Ezekiel 1. They're, it's all men. And so what we can get from this is if you just see this, it will make no sense. It will be incomprehensibly confusing unless you know that these are men. And so now I told you the whole thing that's men. Now, when we go through this, in the book of Ezekiel, he almost never prophesies to anyone. But this is during the time of uh, Israel being in Babylon. So why would he do this? This is a, a book of hope. The book of Ezekiel is a book of hope. So when we read it, Ezekiel go, continues to see shit that makes no fucking sense. So in, we get to Ezekiel chapter, um, the book of the prophet Ezekiel chapter 2. And God talks to him. And then God shows his, Ezekiel... Something really interesting. He he lets Ezekiel eat a roll. Now, typically when we think of a roll, it's bread or a scroll, a rolled scroll. So Ezekiel eats this, and it's probably a small scroll, and then Ezekiel knows more words of prophecy or something. That's how God does it. It's weird shit. And so we start getting into this, and we're like, what in the hell is going on in this book? Well, one thing we can find is that God personally spoke to Ezekiel. And this actually happened, I think, with every prophet that's ever been a prophet in the whole earth. God personally spoke to him and he saw God. So that whole, you cannot look upon me without dying thing, that's not entire, that's not like for every man for all times. That's just like a moment with uh, Moses. Okay. He didn't want Moses to look upon his face. And there's a bunch of reasons why that is. Uh, one reason is if anyone knows what God looks like, they might make a profane pictures with a picture of his they might take like a photo of his face and then write start making uh, offensive internet memes for instance and that would be like instead of just profaning god's word if they knew what his name was and saw a picture of his face then they might profane his face and his name with internet memes you know what i mean just don't do that now when he gets to chapter 10 he sees more weird shit a man was there and he says to another man to tell his hand, to fill his hands with fire 
as this guy goes and grabs a bunch of coals from the fire. And so you're like, what in the fuck? This is just like shit that happens in the heavens. God made the angels so fucking legendarily tough that they can just have a handful of coals from a fire and it's fine. They can swim to the bottom of the ocean and they're not crushed. They're, I mean, they're just legendarily fucking tough. And so this is normal business in heaven. Like if they don't need to go get a shovel and get coals, they can just use their hands. Okay. So just think about it like that. Like it's just fucking legendarily tough. And so when we're going through the book of Ezekiel, we see things like this that make no sense. A lot of it is just normal business in heaven and then sinful things that happen in the earth. A lot of sin. So when we go through this and we're really going through it, we get to chapter 37. A lot of it, I mean, this is all very important to read. But if you want to just get to some interesting stuff that I'm thinking about right now, find the part where Ezekiel laid on his um, right side and his left side. Find the part where he set his face against the pan. And then go to chapter 37. And then turn back one chapter. In chapter 36... Ezekiel prophesies to the mountains. Okay. Maybe nobody would even listen to uh, a prophet anymore. So he's just prophesying to mountains now. Then we get to chapter 37 and he prophesies to dry bones and he speaks to the wind. Like prophesies. Doesn't just speak, but he prophesies to the wind. So that just means he speaks the word of God and stuff. So what God's going to do in chapter 37 is there's two really important things. God's going to raise the whole house of Israel from the dead and David, King David, will be king again in Israel. And that's cool. There's a duck here that wants some uh, bread. He didn't steal my bread. So I'm going to give him some bread. And there's a goose. They both get bread. I give him some bread. I like them both very much. Now, when we're going through this, um, we get to chapter um, 38. And then we get into the Gog and Magog stuff. Now, this is interesting because I have no idea how this could apply to the near future. Um, typically, when we see a prophecy in the Bible, it's going to apply before the day of the Lord twice. So chapter 38 is something that probably happened in the past. Typically, we think it would happen once more in the next 75, 80, 80 years, let's say. Um, and then once more before God makes a new heaven and a new earth. So it's like a triple prophecy often in the Bible. But I don't see how this could be even possible. But maybe it'll happen uh, before the day of the Lord. Now, when we get to the book of Revelation chapter 20, we can read about Gog and Magog. And this is stuff that applies to then, no doubt. Uh, the, God's going to bring them to war, even if they don't want to. And then they're going to get their asses whooped. Uh, and uh, that's chapter 38 and 39. In uh, chapter 40... We start to talk about the temple. So what's probably going to happen in chapter 37 is this sequence. God's going to raise the whole house of Israel from the dead. And then there's a lot of men and women that don't want the Bible prophecies to be fulfilled. A lot of men and women say it's World War III if Israel ever builds a temple. Well, as soon as the whole house of Israel is raised from the, raised from the dead, some of them are going to start building the temple with a legendary quickness. Okay, not legendary. And probably not that quick. It might take seven years. So uh, eventually, though, they'll be raised from the dead. And then armies will try to conspire against Israel. Maybe God just says, you know what, your armies just come all at once. And then maybe in 38 and 39, those two chapters, those armies come. God whoops their asses with fire or something. And then Israel gets to keep all their stuff. So Israel's like, yay, free stuff. And those armies are like, boo, we're dead. <laughs> and then all those dead men and women get judged by God. So in chapter 40, he, there's a man that's called Ezekiel Temple Man. In heaven, they call him Ezekiel Temple Man. And so that's what the spirits call him. 
And he actually was brought to heaven and lived in heaven. Now, this guy's kind of weird. He doesn't really like to talk about anything except for how he's Ezekiel Temple, man. He's like riding riding that wave still, you know? Like, he measured the temple, and everyone's like, wow, you measure the temple. And you, you talk to Ezekiel, and this guy's like, yeah, I did. And, like, the angels thought he was cool. The spirits thought he was cool. And, like, he's just still riding that wave. Everyone thinks he's cool still for being Ezekiel Temple, man. So when we get to chapter 40... Um, this is where we start to find out about Ezekiel Temple Man. He kind of measures the temple. Now, the temple before in the past was probably built really well. Let's talk about Solomon's temple, the tabernacle. But this temple is going to be built according to perfect dimensions. Um, I worked in the past as a surveyor, and I'm the Messiah, so um, I know how to build things extremely precisely. And probably also because God taught me, and I know a fair amount about math. So the temple is going to be built to perfect dimensions. It's going to be built at right angles when we choose it and things like that. And in the past, I don't know if it was built like that, but God makes a big deal about that. He tells Ezekiel to show the dimensions, shoo them the dimensions of the temple so they can be ashamed. So I think they might not have built the temple that well during the time of Solomon. And the, probably what happened is they probably had a cavalier attitude. They were like, well, it's just like any other building, you know. And Solomon was like, no, build it well. It's the temple of God. And they might have been like in Israel, yeah, right. It's just like any other building. It's just a plain old building. And they kind of just, maybe they just slapped it together. Like Solomon made sure that there was extremely high quality components, you know? He made sure there was like everything um, that they needed. And if you read about the temple in the book of uh, First Kings, in the first several, uh, I think eight chapters, he kind of goes into the temple dimensions and stuff. The first, I think, three chapters talk about some other stuff, but then after that, there's a lot about him building the temple and or what he chose. So Solomon really cared about what is in the temple, but he kind of did it like a king. He's like, here, put it, like build it with this stuff and then put this stuff in it. I think he kind of um, did it like that. And then the, um, the men that built the temple were probably like, oh, get it together, done quick. You know, guy stuff. I got a couple of cool surprises for you. When God builds the, t or when the temple's built, God's going to build it. And I'm going to build it. It's going to take about seven years, I think. God's going to roll up hard like a fucking gangster. Okay. Now for thousands of years, God has this fucking softy approach. Like everyone thinks that God's a fucking softy or he's a fucking uh, wrathful God or like they kind of just put him into like those two camps. But in reality, God's gangster as fuck, okay? So God's going to roll up with fucking angels and cherubim and seraphim and ophanim and orphanim and cephalim. And he's going to fucking set foot in the temple and he's going to fucking bring it. He's going to control the whole fucking earth again. And not everyone in the whole world might see, you might not see everything that he does. But the whole world's going to be filled with knowledge of God. So like, I'll give you a couple examples. We can praise his name. He is the most high God the most perfect, the most holy. Uh, we can sing songs of praise and worship, but he's also the most legendary hero of war. Like, he has the most courage, the most bravery. He invented courage and invented bravery. Without God, we wouldn't even know what those things are. He, The angels have fought in war, and God's actually fought, you know, against evil angels a little bit, you know? And he, he kind of held back, obviously. <laughs> the angels know that. He never offended anyone, ever, when he did any of this. And, uh, 
there's other things about him. God's the most published author of all time. Um, God's cool. God made dance. God made songs. He doesn't just dance like an Amish man, which can be cool, I think, or like a uh, polka person, which can be cool and fun and wholesome. He knows how to gangster dance better than any gangster who's ever lived. He knows how to crunk walk better than anyone who's ever crunk walked. He knows how to shuffle dance, and I don't know if he would ever do that. I don't know if shuffle dancing is only for girls, but there's guys that fucking uh, crush it with shuffle dancing, and God's the best at shuffle dancing. So God's not just like one-dimensional. He's not just someone that's like only says, thus saith the Lord. He's also the most funny, the most humorous, the most fun. He's written the most funny jokes. And uh, so the whole world's going to be filled with the knowledge of God. He's written every joke. He's the author of every joke worth hearing, actually. So... um, He's fucking hilarious, and he's strong, he's mighty, he's um, interesting to talk to, he says the most interesting things. And what happens with his children, he's like, he's like, what up, I'm God. And they're like, boo. And he's like, stop murdering each other. And they're like, we will not obey. <laughs> and then, you know, he has to kill them. And like clean up the mess that they made. And then he's like, here's how you live righteously. And then they're like, we're too busy murdering. We can't hear that right now. We're trying to fill the whole world with uh, violence. That takes all day. (laughs) We don't have time. (laughs) We don't have time to hear you talk about righteousness. We're busy filling the world with blood and violence. (laughs) We're busy killing. He's like, stop. (laughs) So, you know, time will come when the world is filled with knowledge of God. He's not one dimensional or like one sided, like like you've heard he's the most legendary motherfucker ever to walk the face of the motherfucking universe he's the most legendary he's a legend everyone knows uh something about god everyone everywhere on every world so when he rolls up he's gonna roll up hard and he's gonna make it cool and nobody's gonna have any fucking clue what they're looking at and so when they build a temple for god build it well we build it well and when we build a a paved area for god we build it well And when we, um, and when we do uh, the survey of the nation of Israel, we're going to do it how he said. They didn't do that before. They kind of messed that up, and uh, really bad, uh, according to the book of Joshua, and the book of I think it's written in Deuteronomy Numbers. At the end of the book of Numbers, God tells them how to do it, and we're going to do it the correct way this time. And there might be some things that you think are different, but uh, we're going to do exactly how God said in the book of Ezekiel. So when we get to the book of Ezekiel, it's instructions on how to build a temple. All right, so when we think about the temple, it's overlaid with gold. So we think about God, God's going to provide the gold. Israel doesn't have to go gold mining for a hundred years. He's going to do it any way he wants. Now... I don't know how he's going to do it. Typically in the past, an army just came with gold for no reason, like sacks of gold, and then God defeated them, and then Israel collected the gold. So that might happen again. They might just bring gold, and we might build a temple with that gold. It could be the same gold that was on Solomon's temple, or other gold that was stolen from Israel, or other gold that God reserved for this purpose. Maybe it was at the Great Pyramid of Giza. God made the Great Pyramid of Giza. That's why the dimensions are perfect, and why no one can figure out who built it. It's because God made it. So when we think about God, he's the most craftsman you know he he built the he made the uh pyramid of giza he made the whole earth he he makes things actually he made a sword not long ago and gave it to someone like i'll give you an example 
God is more legendary than you ever fucking imagine. So, like, who's the most legendary warrior on the earth you can think of, you know? Some of you might think of, like, um, Bruce Lee. All right, so Bruce Lee died. He went to hell uh, at some point. He was in hell 20 years. And I talked to Bruce Lee, and Bruce Lee repented. He was no longer in hell. He repented of his sin. That's what you usually do to get out of hell. You just repent of your sin. It's not just, like, boring place. God talked to him the whole time. Uh, and, and Bruce Lee said God was cool as fuck the whole time. And then... <laughs> And, and and God like opens like the, the lid to hell. It's like a su- sewer lid, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious if you think about it. <laughs> it's like a fucking sewer lid. He like opens the lid and he tells Bruce Lee like get out and like closes the lid. And Bruce Lee's like, you know, Bruce Lee learned how to fight from God. Most people don't know that. He learned the way of the warrior from God. So he knows a few things about the way of the warrior and how to fight and stuff. And so what was really cool is one point while he was in hell, God took him out of hell. So Bruce Lee wasn't burning, and Bruce Lee got to relive the uh, movie Enter the Dragon. So it's like an almost two-hour movie, I think. And then, you know, Bruce Lee goes back to hell because he didn't repent of his sin. So God was really fucking cool while Bruce Lee was in hell. God's the coolest. He's the most cool, the most fun, the most funny, the most gangster, the most humorous, the most um, skilled. He's the best at everything, all right? So he's, he's going to roll up cool. And... um He's going to bring uh, other men with him that are just different looking than uh, any of us have ever seen. Well, I've seen them, but Ezekiel's seen them. He's going to raise Ezekiel f- uh, from the dead or something. Uh, probably, you know, the other option is to be born again, to like be a spirit and go into a, a mother's womb and be born and then be a baby. It's one of those two options. So he'll probably just be raised from the dead. So Ezekiel will be back. He'll prophesy again. God's going to roll up to the temple. And maybe by now, Ezekiel might know... Um, about the um, the Rathalophim, the Cephalim, the Ophanim, the Orphanim, and all that stuff. He might know about them. And, and then he would know, um, you know, when he sees them, like, oh, I've, I've seen these guys. I saw them a long time ago. And so it's cool. Uh, God rolls up cool. And so uh, then Bruce Lee repented. He's not, he, he, I don't know if he's in hell right now. I just told Bruce Lee he's in hell right now. And I was like, Bruce Lee, get out. And I told him I'm uh, recording a podcast. I'm telling the whole world. He's telling me this whole story about how I got in hell again. He says it's my fault. <laughs> so Bruce Lee's uh, partly telling a joke, partly being a dick to me. <laughs> um, he wants me to repent of my sin or something. I've never sinned. So he's he's angry at me because I never sinned. So he doesn't want to repent unless I sin, then repent. And so, um, uh, God just told Bruce Lee to shut up. So Bruce Lee thought this was funny. This is how guys talk to each other. Okay. And God is the best at talking to guys. He's the best at everything. He said it again. He said, told Bruce Lee to shut up. And he told Bruce Lee to shut your mouth with a slight Asian accent, but it was so slight that it was like almost offensive, <laughs> but it was so slight that it wasn't offensive. So Bruce Lee can't think of a, a comment to complain about it because it was kind of Asian sounding, but God made all men. And so he made the uh, Asian language and all that kind of stuff. And so it's funny, but you know, Asian uh, men, just like American men, sin, all men sin, all women sin, and the languages have been kind of butchered. And so we use American English now when we speak in the earth and it happened we use another language. Uh, maybe two languages. So um, God's going to roll up hard. He's going to be cool. And that's what the book of Ezekiel is in part about. 
right away in chapter one, God just rolls up and Ezekiel's like, Ezekiel falls on his knees and bows his head, which is cool. He's, he's trying to show due reverence to God. And, and then God makes it so Ezekiel can stand and see God and talk to him. See, God's the coolest. Ezekiel didn't have to just stay on his uh, knees and bow his head. He actually got to stand and see God and also see God's fucking angel squad. Well, God's like, um, cool guy squad, the sons of God squad. And so now you know what sons of God are. It's angels, Rathalophim, Rathalophim, Cephalim, um, um, and uh, ch- cherubim, seraphim, angels, did I say that? Um, Methalophim and others. Uh, there's others called Choriboyan. They're like angels but taller and real hairy. They're men. And so God made um, a lot of us, and some of us are slightly different. And it's going to be fucking cool, okay? So, when we talk about the um, book of Ezekiel, we're talking about these major events. The old captivity in Babylon. Then um, God says a lot about the future. And there's a bunch of rebukes and stuff. God's faithful promises. Then he's going to raise um, Israel from the dead in chapter 37. And there's a lot more in there than this, but this is my quick summary. He's going to raise the whole house of Israel from the dead. He's going to raise their bones. King David's going to be king again. King David was born again, so next year... I think he'll be born, actually, late this year or early next year. And then um, then the following year, he'll be one year old. You know, in 10 years after that, he'll be like you know 10 or 11, depending on how you count. So he's going to do all that cool stuff. The temple's going to be built. It's going to be built really well. And then God's going to roll up like a fucking gangster. And he's going to roll up cool and control everything and be the boss, but we're free. See this other thing, like God, God's in control, but we're also free. And so people are going to have knowledge of God. And so we see a lot about the temple. Now, when you read about the temple, there's a few other things. There's a man in there called the Prince. That's the Messiah, Messiah, the Prince. And so the Prince is going to do things that are similar to what a priest might do, but he's above everyone at the temple. That's me. And so the reason that's important is because they don't really know what to do that well. Like, what do you do when God rolls up? with a bunch of cherubim that are fucking off and trying to confuse you because they're standing behind the open him. <laughs> I mean, what do you, what do you do? It's confusing. So I'll be there to like explain like, Oh, if that's open him and orphan him, like, what's the difference? They, well, they look very similar. Uh, they're like a five foot tall golden tire with eyes. <laughs> <coughs> and what are the other ones? Well, that's cephalim. They're called wheels, but they look like shields and they're fiery and they're all men. They can speak. And they're like, well, they don't look like men. Oh, they do to me. They're men. They just don't look like us men. They look like other men. They just look different than us. And they like the way they look, actually. Um, the Ophanim really like it. They just get to go do a bunch of cool shit. And they're like angels. They, You know, us in the earth, we can go forwards, backwards, left and right. But all of the sons of God can go up. They can travel the universe at any time. And so they like it. They think it's great. They can speak to each other and do cool shit. A lot of them are fucking hilarious. The cherubim are often hilarious. The, the Ophanim are really chill. I mean, maybe part of it is that they're like basically un, unbeatable. So they're just chill everywhere they go. They're just like, they just like being an Ophanim. And there's others that are uh, called the sons of God. Um, and so all of this is what, part of what we call the celestial hierarchy. Um, and that's important because when we consider the, um, the, this, this is stuff we'll see in the future. And if you're thinking that sounds so fucking hard to believe, Wait till you see the other stuff God does. He's going to do things that no one expects. 